after further reveal. What's up, everyone? Ben, Ryan, and Chase here coming at you with episode nine of After Further Review. First off, I just want to apologize to everyone for last week. The audio was a bit off, but I promise you guys it's going to be a lot better. And we are excited to get the show going. We had an epic, epic last week. Uh, We had March Madness, the finals, and the final four. And man, did it deliver. Oh, yeah. First off, shout out to Lamont Butler for that game winner against FAU for San Diego State. What a, I know they were a five seed, but that's low key like a Cinderella story for them and that school and just their history and their conference and no success in the past. But Lamont Butler delivers a nasty two point buzzer beater to send San Diego State to the finals. And that might have been one of the most just back and forth exciting games of the tournament. I know it's not your normal blue buds like Ben always talks about, but huge, huge win for San Diego State. And, I mean, Ben, you had UConn going to the finals. I don't know if you want to touch on their absolute dominance in this tournament. It was ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, the championship game, they won by 17, I think, when it was all said and done, and they did not have any games – um 13 points was their closest game and they were just absolutely rolling through everyone now granted you touched on it last week they didn't have to go through a one or a two seed but they just i mean they dominated they're now five and oh in championship games in march madness i was excited uconn won i only got second in the bracket because they won but i'll take it yeah that was awesome i'm just glad that like uconn came out of nowhere basically and took it i mean they were competitive all year but on the whole, it was teams that really no one were going to pick. And a lot of veteran leadership, too. Like, a lot of these teams that made it far into the March Madness, like, into the, the tournament, had people on their roster who were seniors, juniors, people who were sticking around, which kind of flips the trend from what it used to be, where it would be all freshman-dominated teams winning, like Kentucky Duke, all those blue bloods. But now it's just teams that – and I don't know if that's because of the NIL and the way the transfer rules are set up, but – it's really cool to see that people are like staying, working it out, refining their skills, and then they're gonna it's, they're gonna go to the next level, being an even better player. Yeah, and shout out to FAU. I mean, I know they lost in the Final Four, but what a run for that school as a nine seed to come into the tournament and just barely squeak by Memphis, and then just get to the Final Four. I mean, huge for the school. I'm sure huge for the future of the basketball program too. Yeah, I heard that their coaches. Um, when they were recruiting their students, then their athletes, they wouldn't show them the basketball facilities. They would just get them to sign and then show them everything because obviously it's not up to, you know, a, a power school, what they're like, the resources that they have and the things that they have access to. So that was kind of the thing that, and that actually happened to the coach when he signed there. He said that um, the school never showed him or took him on a tour until he already agreed to the contract. So he couldn't back out basically but hey i mean you made it this far in the tournament you're obviously your school's gonna get paid so hopefully they put some of that money towards the basketball program and make it a a school that makes it in the tournament all the time yeah is he still the coach at this point i was literally gonna ask that since that always happens yeah there's the there's the player portal and also the coach the uh coach portal the coach portal Yeah, I mean this whole season it just it's exciting and I hope I hope all March Madnesses are like this from here on out cuz it's fun. It it makes it fun when you have these low seas and schools you never heard of making these runs. Yeah, everyone has a chance. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy cuz I was going to I was going to jump to it in a little bit but I know we were kind of complaining about being on the East Coast with the late start for the finals game and I actually saw that this was the the lowest recorded, um, like watched uh, men's finals in NCAA history. But to the counterpoint of that, this was the most watched first round of all time and just upset city all over the place. I mean, everyone wanted to tune in because you had no idea. Like, if you're a Duke fan, if you're a Kentucky fan, like this is this might be the game. It's not just some easy first round passes for a lot of schools. And and everyone tuned in and it it turned out. 
Yeah. Yeah, you definitely couldn't be checking the box score the entire time because there was giant point swings and teams blew leads. And then some teams came back in the last 10 seconds in one game. So it was really, you had to be there to see it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, to Ryan's point, 9.30 for, maybe it was 9.15, but on a Monday night for the East Coast for the national championship is rough. I mean, people have to get up for work the next day trying to get in bed at a reasonable time. And it'd be nice, even if we can get like an eight o'clock game, which yeah. still feels a little late. I mean, the women's final was like Sunday at three. Yeah. I was like, this is great. And that game might've been more watched than the men's one, because I, I know it, there was a lot of controversy. I'm sure people saw, but um, just with Caitlin Clark and just everything that the buildup was to that championship game. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was actually watched by more. Another shout out to UConn. I mean, they just bulldozed through a tournament of single elimination. You have to go six and zero. Ridiculous that they're five and zero in championship games when, like, it's just it's not a series. It's a basketball game. You usually play series like the NBA does series, and the fact that they're five and zero, different coaches, different decades, different star players, just. I don't know. They they know how to win. And I mean, that has to, to say something about the Big East. Is that, is that the best conference in college basketball? I feel like it's always just flies under the radar, but it's just super competitive. The teams beat up on each other so much and it gets yeah. overlooked sometimes in the tournament. Well, I feel like you can like in the tournament, though, how many Big East teams always make it? I feel like a good amount of them. You don't have to necessarily win the Big East to be in the tournament. That's that's a fact. Yeah, I mean, this year Creighton made it to the Elite Eight and almost got to the Final Four. Marquette was a two seed. Um, so there's one or two I'm even forgetting. And that was without Villanova even making it, which yeah. is crazy just because they've had such a dominant run over the last few years. Providence is a team that's been in there. Providence was in there this year too, yeah. yeah. St. John's has been in there the last few oh, years. Yeah. Now with Rick Patino. Uh, yeah, so the they'll be back in there next year. <laughs> you know for certain can't really get that guy in recruiting penalties now that you can actually hand someone money in plain daylight i mean for uconn besides their students basically destroying the entire campus after they won it's it's been a, a complete all-around win for their program and their university as a whole and adama sanogo is just a He's just a he's tank a in there. Yeah, he's just like, a, I don't even know what. He's like a warthog <laughs> just bulldozing his way around. Oh, Boomba. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm is glad. He, is he declaring? I don't, for I the don't draft. Uh, it's always interesting. Could, but it's always interesting know. to see where the NBA ranks some of these guys in there, like how they project them, just because these big guys, like I just remember Luke Garza. Um, like one, literally the best player in college basketball for at least two years. And he just yeah. like fell all the way to the end of the first round and to the piston. I think the Pistons. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the Pistons had him. I think they still have him actually. Okay. I think he but just yeah, in the G league. Yeah. yeah. And like Zach Eady too. Like, I wonder if he, like his <laughs> like skill level will translate to the NBA. Like I'm just going to always remember yeah. Zach Eady for that FDU game. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. We we spent the first five minutes of that game just watching him, not even <laughs> yeah. anyone else on the court, just watching him truck up and down. He's literally like the Jokic of college basketball. Like it's literally just him on the team, and if you shut him down, they're getting they're gets over. Yeah, well, I mean, it was such an exciting tournament, and um, going off of the exciting tournament, we had the first week of baseball too, which was super exciting. Opening weekend, baby! It was hype. Yeah, and we we cannot, um, you know, obviously the Mets and Phillies probably not the start either of us were hoping for, but I don't yeah. know what your thought thoughts are on the Phils uh, opening first few games. Yeah, yeah, they gave up a bunch of runs. I think twenty nine to the Rangers in their opening series, and did not look good. In especially opening day, Nola goes out. He's strong for four innings. Goes out for the fifth, and like it's lit up. After they were putting in work against DeGrom, and they weren't necessarily like beating up DeGrom. They were getting a lot of golf hits, balls, I know, just in no man's land. And thanks to the shift not being there, people couldn't hey, reach those balls. Yeah. It hits a hit. But you look at it now, a few days later after that series, and the Orioles went to Texas and they've beat up the Rangers. 
after they couldn't really get things going with the Red Sox, they gave up, I think, almost as many runs as the Phillies in their opening series as well. So it's hard to tell this early in the season. Obviously, the returns aren't great, but it's a puzzle piece to the entire season. And you hope that these wins don't come back to bite you in the end. If you're losing by three games or something like that, you know, especially in our division, it's going to be tough. These games kind of do matter. Yeah, no. And the, I mean, atop the division right now, the Braves look like they are absolutely rolling. Um, and I don't want, you don't want to get too much into the first few games, but just briefly touching on the Mets, they uh, did pretty well against the Marlins, went three and one, looked pretty good. Um, and then just absolutely started getting steamrolled by the Brewers. Um, you can kind of see it in the Marlins series that their offense just still isn't clicking. Um, and then Scherzer not putting up a great first start. Besides Senga, that's really been the main bright spot, him and his ghost forkball. Yeah, that thing is dirty. <laughs> yeah, that might be one that. of the nastiest pitches of the you season. You haven't seen so that. Far. Go see that. It's an absolutely filthy pitch. <laughs> he had definitely had some nerves his first inning out there. He went, gave up a run and had bases loaded, nobody out um, before settling down and then only allowing that whole one run through the next uh, five innings. Yeah, he was cruising. But, uh, yeah, the offense, I mean, they got six runs today. Still got the loss, though. Terrible Showalter decision. Instead of leaving Robertson in, they put in Adovino, of course. Um, gave up a walk-off home run. But Alonzo had two home runs today, so he's up to three now. But the offense just isn't clicking. They're putting in putting in some guys who shouldn't be in the lineup right now. They need to bring up Brett Beatty, who's destroying in AAA, who should have started the season with the Mets instead they're trying out Escobar oh yeah and he does he have a hit yet I don't was know was he hitless he was I mean they they're plugging in Luis Guillorme at third base who's a goal he's oh. a gold glove third baseman but today he had four straight ground outs at second base those were his forward bats nice. so <laughs> I mean but the Mets I mean it's it's early and but they just they got to get that lineup right and get the get these starters to go deeper into games baseball is such a long season but at the same time we always say it comes down to some of these games and chase just to touch on the phillies game i mean i'm just like looking at this lineup without reese and bryce harper and it i don't know it just scares me the bullpen is super shaky like every year mm-hmm. guys will have their good stretches their bad stretches alvarado's pitching well but i feel like he they, a lot of these, yeah. their, their better half of the bullpen hasn't had many opportunities yet because of, you know, starting pitching, hitting. And also, who is Jake Cave? Because he's garbage. Yeah. He's, he's, he's like our starting right fielder right now. I, he, he's a journeyman. Yeah, he was with the Twins for a long time and came over. He, like, in spot starts, I feel like he's not a bad, like, on the bench, he isn't awful, but putting him out every day is not good either. Derek Hall jammed his finger today, sliding into second, extending a play that he probably could have just settled for on a single. So that's not good. Now you're really you're really thin on the infield. You don't have a lot of flexibility. And like you're saying, not having Reese Hoskins and Bryce Harper, that's that's a lot of runs and home runs that are missing from this lineup. And I feel like a little bit of them is they're pressing a little too much trying to replace all that production but you can't like just play the way that you are like the way you're built what you have is is okay for now but i think they're gonna make a trade at some point this year for some kind of a bet bryce harper is hitting this week so that's a good sign he could be back at the end of may hopefully a little sooner that'd be good oh i did not realize i did not realize it was gonna be that soon dh right Yeah. yeah yeah But, but still, still yeah. I'll take the bet. I mean, honestly, we can we can figure out the outfield, but and there's some prospects that they have that they they can give a little bit of time to. I mean, that we don't have any like blow your doors off prospects that are position players. Obviously, Painter and Abel on the pitching side, but they're still raw and Painter's still hurt. So yeah, but I see like you're saying with the Mets too. It's just kind of like it's almost a shell of what they are on paper is what they're trotting out on the field right now and obviously it's showing yeah i mean they had a the mets had a 20 inning scoreless stretch um where they got i mean they got shut out back-to-back games nine nothing and ten nothing and they just didn't they didn't look like themselves i mean I, i don't know if there's even maybe a little bit of a world baseball classic hangover for some of those guys like i know lindor isn't playing great 
uh, hitting the ball great. I know Schwarber's not hitting, you know, I mean, he's still yeah. hitting a home run or two, but just not hitting the ball. I think with the Mets, they just need to, you know, get their pitching back to where it is. And hopefully we get an update on Verlander here soon. And it's, he's coming back. Yeah. I know it's a big piece that's missing for you guys right now. Yeah. Wait, does Diaz have a chance to come back this season? No. Cause for some reason I thought, I thought someone picked him up in our fantasy baseball league. And I was like, I thought he was done. I mean, maybe they're stashing him just in case, but the timetable was like eight months and yeah, I feel like unless they're deep into the playoffs, I don't know how. Like, because Schwarber came back that one year. Yeah, you can come Cubs back. won the World Series, but right. I mean, he was obviously not 100% either. Yeah. I remember when Schwarber got drafted as a catcher. Yeah. And everyone's like, no one, he's not going to stick at this position. <laughs> of course, he, I just can't even imagine him at this point now as a catcher. Well, yeah, because I remember they were like, oh, we'll play him on left field and get him yeah. some time. And then literally he gets run into and blows his knee out. And they're like, well, that works. Because so, they're like, I'll move from a catcher. Don't want to get him like hurt, concussions, all this. And he like, gets banged up in the outfield trying to avoid all of that. That reminds me of like Jesus Montero. I don't know if you remember him. Yeah. That sounds familiar. Yeah. He was like the stud, like can't miss Mariners catching prospect who then just yeah. did nothing. Wow. They had a bunch of like catching prospects. He was like 20. Now I'm thinking about it. 10 now. 2011 2010 2011 because like right after that they had like zunino come up right wasn't he a mariner originally yeah they had like a couple they still do now i mean they're like they just seem to find catchers out of nowhere like trade for them yeah cal raleigh yeah tom murphy they have harry ford as a prospect who looked decent during the world baseball classic they do they get their catchers they haven't like torrens i think he's been like a floater yeah, was he? Is he on the Yankees now? I think so. Yeah, he just but just just to steer it back um, to opening weekend though, it's been it's been crazy. The first like five to ten MLB games, it's just like so much fluctuation in the standings, and everyone's trying to figure it out. Um, I saw that Grayson Rodriguez actually made his debut today for the Orioles, and you know Ben and I being in South Central Pennsylvania. We low-key root for the O's sometimes, try to get to a couple games every year. But I do not root for the O's. Yes, you did. When we went to the game, you literally rooted for the O's. That's the only time. I'm not going to root for them. I mean, you don't root for them, but we follow them a little bit. But no, Grayson Rodriguez pitched against the Rangers, and he pitched pretty well. Five innings, only gave up two runs, a walk, five Ks. That's good. I have all my fantasy team, so. Oh, really? Did you draft him? Yeah, and then they sent him down, and I was like, oof. <laughs> it's not a great, because he was getting bombed during spring training, but he seems to be kind of the guy It's like, I don't think he can perform unless he's in the moment of it. Like, I think spring training was hard because it's like they're evaluating his performance. He didn't do great, but obviously against the Rangers, they've shown that they can put some runs up, and he was going against DeGrom on the other side, so that's a tough, you know, match. Yeah. It's like... It's already a lot of pressure making your debut, and it's now even more pressure because you know that DeGrom can literally just shut out a game. I mean, I hope he does well. The Orioles have a really bad track record with developing pitchers just in general, especially top pitchers um, like Dylan Bundy, Kevin Gussman, yeah. Jake Arrieta come to mind, and they all Ryan they Mattis, all started Chris performing. Tillman. Yeah, Chris Tillman. They all started performing better when they left the O's. Yeah. Um, oh, Zach Britton, yeah, Zach Britton used to be a starter too. Yeah, and he was so bad that Buck moved him to a closer spot. Yeah, the Orioles just locked into him to struggle to develop a starter. But I mean, Rodriguez is a one of is their top prospect now with Hunt, with mm-hmm. Gunner in the majors. So yeah, and he's twenty three, so he's not like one of the younger. I mean, he's a little bit older prospect. That's weird to say, but. <laughs> so he kind of needs to like really perform at this point. And last year, I'm sure he would have made his debut, but he had the lat issue or you know, he had an arm injury, I think. So kind of pushed everything back on the time scale. But yeah, the worlds are going to be fun because their whole, like they keep promoting people and they're still loaded with prospects, especially middle infield. So you think at some point, they're probably going to deal some of these guys to get some more proven talent at some point this season. Yeah. That would be the pull- move. 
They just can't pull what the Pirates did and just like dump everyone and then. <laughs> no, I don't think they're going to do that necessarily where they're going to like get rid of their already MLB young talent. Like, I think they're going to get rid of, they have a bunch of like middle infielders, like, uh, and they even have guys on their bench right now that are kind of all over the place that yeah. they could probably move. Yeah. Well, and their, div- their division is so hard. I mean, from year to year, the, the best division in baseball always changes, but I feel like when you think about good baseball, you just think AL, AL East. And, I mean, the Rays are 6-0 to start the season. The Yankees are going to be there. I yep. mean, the Red Sox and Blue Jays might not be as good, but it's just always a tough spot for the O's. And, I mean, you have to generate some wins, but there's so many, you know, interdivision games. And to try to yeah. pile all of them can be hard. Yeah. I mean, at least they get to all beat up on the A's. Yeah, that's true. What yeah. are, your A's have two wins already, by the way. Has yeah, that, I'm there's a little sus. Yeah, I mean, if they average like a two and five week each each week, they're they're on track for. They still have a minus nineteen run differential. <laughs> yeah, I mean, speaking of the A's, I just want to say, and this is not to go at any A's fans. This is entirely to do with the organization and just how they've handled the team. But there were thirteen AAA games that went on yesterday, and eleven of them drew more attendance in the A's game which had a total of 3,407 yo this is what everyone should go to an A's game because you can get a foul ball you can get a foul ball (laughs) you could get Otani home run balls if you think about it that's true I bet you when they play the Angels that might bring in the most just because of Trout and Otani I bet you that brings in I mean that number was with the Angels Oh my god, you're right. I was like, wait, aren't they? <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that's bad. Never that's mind. That's real bad. I saw that they just had a proposal for a new stadium that's like a couple billion dollars. I mean, we, m- me and my family, we went to the A's game back when I was in middle school, and they were not good then either. But I just remember the whole top section of the stadium was just yeah. harped off. Like, they knew nobody they weren't even selling the tickets like nobody was gonna sit up there it's just like oh my gosh like thousands of seats just nah. i don't think that many people live in oakland to fill up that entire stadium yeah yeah and also didn't they give you guys something free to get into the game yeah too? what was that i'm pretty sure it was a backpack it was a houston oh, street yeah. backpack. that's right <laughs> Where is that backpack? i don't know now, ben? to find that backpack that's a great item that's a great item I'm just looking at these standings right now. It's all over the place. I feel like low-key the NL West, the Diamondbacks and Giants have been competitive so far, and the Dodgers and Padres haven't looked super dominant. Although Xander Bogarts is doing work for the Padres. Yeah, they have a pretty good infield. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of all over the place, but, I mean, this is kind of steer us to the new rules because we haven't touched on that yet, and – good bad or indifferent a lot of players are adjusting a lot of different ways i know from a fan perspective it doesn't seem that much different watching the games i don't know how you guys felt yeah i feel like i miss a lot more now because of how fast the action is like there's times where i'm like oh i'll be back in time and they're already like there's already two outs and i'm like how what how (laughs) oh it's just just like the game of pace i mean yesterday sandy had a hour 50 or something game like for the Marlins, that's pretty that's insane. Like he was just mowing people down. I was against all this all these rules change, but it definitely seems to be getting more views and getting more people watching. And I haven't noticed it too much. I mean, it definitely is a much faster pace, and you don't have the same just luxury of kind of staring at your phone and seeing the next pitch. Like it's just you have to watch more, but that's fine. Um I do think they need to figure out a little bit of a happy medium with some of these like, like time, like timeouts uh-huh. with the batter and stuff like that. Like Manny Machado the other day, I don't know if you guys saw, he, mm-hmm. he went to call timeout, thought he got the timeout, stepped out and then basically got called strike three because he, the pitch clock, they didn't really give him the timeout and then the pitch clock ran out. So, and some, so some of that needs to be umpire discretion and hopefully they can kind of, do better with it and i'm sure everyone will adjust to that as they go but i actually haven't minded the the time part at least and like the shift thing i know we weren't really into that but 
so far it seems like you unless you have like a really athletic second baseman it's killing you but a lot of teams are like i haven't noticed a lot of left-handers just getting a lot of cheap hits like schwarber had one but like it's not as happening as much as i thought it would i guess i mean it's going to change obviously too the hitters are still adjusting and it'll be interesting to see how the season plays out someone like joey gallo if you know i'm sure he'll have a a better year um, in general just without the shift but i the overall product has not suffered that much as i know we were super critical of it earlier but i think it's been okay so far yeah yeah it's it's a little weird for me just seeing everything timed like just with the pitcher going up to do the windup i feel like it's like a shot clock in basketball and it I mean, it's not bad. It's just something that's going to get used to because I'm um, like baseball is a non-time sport. It's like the only one of the only sports you play your nine innings. It's nothing to count down. So it's a little bit of an adjustment. But I mean, overall, like Ben, you Manny Machado thing. I saw Tim Anderson, the same thing happened where he called time, got called strike three. And then he ended up arguing it and getting, getting ejected. Yeah. yeah. So it's like. I don't know. Players are adjusting. I thought it was going to be harder for pitchers. I mean, some of them who get into a rhythm, like if you have a slower rhythm, I guess you just have to change it up Mm -hmm. a little bit. Like you can't be messing around too much like Johnny Cueto and his long, like weird windups and stuff like that. But I think players will adjust. And I mean, it has sped up the games more than we thought. So I guess that's a win for MLB. And Chase, you said not missing action. Like, that's big. I mean, when you're at the game, there's so much stuff to look at. Mm-hmm. But when you're on TV, you're, you're. I mean, either looking at your phone half the time or hoping the announcers are talking about some good story. Yeah, overall, it seems like a lot better than we anticipated, which is good. Yeah, and it helps. I mean, going to oh, – we haven't been to a game yet, but I'm sure it, you know, helps going to a game and not being there for three and a half hours and because that does – can drag on for a, a long day if you're – at a three and a half, four hour baseball game. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually saw that the average time right now, I mean, we only have a small sample, but it's a little over two and a half hours. And so now you're looking at like, you know, that's like hockey or NBA time games, which people watch all the time and it's shorter than an NFL game. So should be no issues there. And I actually saw that right now it's, it's the shortest since, um, the 1981 season, it's kind of progressively gone up. And then since 2012, average game has been over three hours, which is kind of crazy. I thought it's kind of been like that our whole lives, but I don't yeah. know. And then, Chase, you said about the Sandy game, the Marlins game that went under two hours. And I saw – I actually looked it up. And up until 1934, every season, games averaged under two hours, which is kind of wild. I can't imagine – watching a basketball game or uh, I'm sorry, a baseball game that only takes two hours. It's just, I'm used to like three innings being an hour kind of deal. They could play two games. Now they're doing it in sub two hours. So they could could have a 300 game season. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, double header, double headers won't be much of a problem. Matinee games, like a a hot Sunday afternoon in July, Mm -hmm. like, not as discouraging just i don't know it's crazy how much of an adjustment adjustment it's been but it hasn't been that bad so far yeah i mean it also doesn't seem like the players really hate it that much i think like i don't know i think people are getting mad about the time like you were saying ben about the pitch clock and being able to step out or you know being called for strikes and balls like that I feel like, well, I think it'll work itself out too over the season. Like, I can't imagine baseball is going to want this happening in the playoffs either, where people are like arguing about the pitch clock and not balls and strikes. <laughs> yeah, that does you do not want that to like affect a game one way or the other and cause a team to win based on that. Because I of think the it's, injection, yeah, yeah, I think it's really also affecting the announcers. <laughs> I think the announcers are kind of struggling with these Mm -hmm. games just they're so used to having all these like little anecdotes like in the middle of talking and just all of a sudden this fast play um like keith hernandez i was listening to the mets game and he just he thought it was like first pitch strike and he was uh, it was the fourth pitch of the at bat he's like oh i must have been like i didn't even know what just happened (laughs) i'm just like oh my gosh he just blacked out (laughs) 
It was like, oh, yeah. first pitch swing, nice hit there, and it was like two one count. <laughs> it was like, okay. Yeah, John Crock's been having a he's he is not understanding the disengagement rule at all. Yeah, like he's literally asked about it every single game so far. So, so for six days, he's asked about the same thing. Only one weekend and a long season, and it'll be an exciting one. Yeah. Um, I one standout for me after week one, just player wise. Um, going off your Cardinals team, Ryan, um, Jordan Walker, he looks like an absolute stud, and he's, um, the young guy. I won't say the age because Ryan doesn't like me saying that. I don't really mind the age that much. <laughs> he's twenty, but I he's mean, that's impressive. He's like a, I think he's six five or six six, um, and he's, he's just really he looks really poised at the plate does not look overmatched. And I think that team, um, between him, Arenado, Goldschmidt, you got Gorman, you got a really good, good lineup. I think, yeah. I think that Cardinals team is, is well on their way. Yeah. They're, they are pretty loaded. I mean, their way their season ended last year was a heartbreak, but it's not like they went and lost a lot of talent either. You know, they pretty much kept a lot of people around. They have a lot of young talent, like you're saying. And I can see why the Cardinals wouldn't be last year when they were in the Juan Soto sweepstakes. I can see why Jordan Walker's name was never coming up in any of those conversations because Juan Soto is great. But so, you know, Jordan Walker's potential, you don't really know what he could end up being. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I know they got Soto, but the Padres traded a ton. Yeah, they gave up so much. Like Abrams, Gore, James Woods, I think James yeah. Woods is, I mean, he's he's really low ball right now, but he's another dude who's like six six, super imposing lefty at the plate. They they Did could they have some. Up, what was the outfielder too that they gave up? James Woods. Oh, was didn't they give up another one too? It might have been another one. Those are the three that come to mind. But yeah, there there probably was three. Sounds like there should be one more. You're probably right. There's probably someone else. But I mean, still, the what they gave up though in their talent pipeline to yeah. get Juan Soto, I mean, that was a heavy, that was some damage to them. I mean, the Padres, I don't yeah. know what they ended up doing over the offseason to replenish that at all. But I mean, that has to make them a little worrisome to know that they're like, you're pretty thin now. Yeah, well, and that's why the Mets, they, they wanted like uh, Alvarez, Beatty, um, I don't know, Vientos, I think. And, you know, that's, that's just a crazy amount. I mean, the Mets already traded Pico Armstrong for half a season of an absolute garbage Javier Baez. Yeah, so that's a pretty bad move. keep trading <laughs> prospects. For rentals. Yeah, Armstrong is now like the second or third best prospect in the Cubs system. He'll probably debut at some point this year. Probably, maybe. yeah. It's crazy because, like, prospects in baseball are like draft picks in other sports, I feel like. And it's like weird to me because there's so much movement with your prospects but you semi know what they are like you know the player you know their strengths weaknesses and i don't know especially some of like the teams that might not have as big of a payroll just always dumping them is just crazy to me i mean it's like a draft picks one thing you have no idea what you're gonna get especially from a college level but and i know baseball some of these guys do come from high school and it takes a couple more years but I don't know. It's just every time like the Phillies get rid of a prospect, I'm like, oh no, because like we grew up on like winning off of prospects. Legit homegrown team. Yeah. Yeah. And I just feel like it's the way like you can win because these players have played together since they were teenagers. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I feel like now it's different. Like, like the Dodgers, we always bring it up because they literally give away so many prospects for people. Like every single year, and you know it's going to happen this year. They're going to make a giant trade where they give away a bunch of prospects for someone who's probably not even going to resign with them. Yeah, well, and that reminds me of like like Trace Thompson, for example, Clay yeah. Thompson's brother. Yeah. Um, that's Clay Thompson's brother. Yeah, the one what on the, the Dodgers. Heck? Anyway, he I remember him because from collecting cards, and he was a 2009 draft pick by the White Sox, like a second round pick. He didn't debut till he was 24 in 2015. And then he did nothing till like 20 was it 2022, I think, when he got he went to the Dodgers and he had a really good year. And he's now 32. And he had his first good year, like 30, 31. Yeah, yeah it just, is the same thing. He's like a 30-year-old yeah. rookie. 
So you're only gonna get like five years maybe out of them. Like I mean, you had like Matt Bush today pitching against the Mets. That that'd be a story to touch on at some point. But the the, you know, the 2004 number one overall pick was out of the league in like jail for a couple years, then came came back, back. made his major league debut like 13 years later. That's pretty insane. That's a long like I know he missed a bunch of time, but just to be that in that position in life and you're still able to perform at a professional level. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, no, I mean, it would. I mean, we all love MLB and opening weekends. Like, I mean, it's probably the most hype weekend until you get to like midsummer when you have like the trade deadline around the all star time, playoff pushes, just knowing what your team is and how they compete. But right now, it's super exciting because it's just like it's a shit bomb. Like, you have no idea. People are adjusting to the clock. So, I mean, we definitely had to dive real into it. And besides the Phillies being one and five to start the year, I'm, I'm pumped. Fantasy baseball has been fun. At least you have the Reds next. Yeah. 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 You, had, you had a tough first se- two series. So. Yeah. I mean, I think the Rangers were like, they're definitely a good team, but I think they were playing a little out of their minds. And I think the Phillies got a little shell shocked from it. And then playing the Yankees, obviously, is a tough task in New York. I mean, they just have such a good lineup. They had to face Nestor Cortez. He's another guy who's bounced around and ended up back with the Yankees and unlocked a bunch of stuff with them. But I mean, it was a tough assignment. But yeah, yeah, yeah and I think because of uh, Storm tomorrow, they already um, pushed. Yeah, they pushed it, it back till Friday. So Phil- the Phillies haven't even played a home game yet, and they'll play one over a week after a week of the season starting. Yeah, that's the same. Same with the Mets. Oh, their really? game got and they were gonna face the Marlins again, and that was their first home game. Oh, so. yeah. Go fish. Yeah, yeah I think Hunter Green is gonna pitch for the Reds, so that's a good. That's a really good matchup. Yeah, if they I guess don't. It's if Wheeler the, and Green. I'm sure the odds are crazy for the Phillies to win the series, but they better take at least two out of three. They almost Schwarber need a sweep. Should hit a home run off a of Green. Yeah, yeah. He should. I, if there's I mean, gonna be I anyone hope, to do it, I think it'll be him. They him he needs to get going. Castellanos needs to get going. These guys need to get going because yeah. the pitching's the pitching Castellanos sucks. especially. He's like it it feels like he never left last season almost. <laughs> which is scary. I'm like, what what have you first off? He moved into Ben Simmons' house, which if he didn't burn that house down by now, then and he's still living in it, then he obviously there's issues. Because first off, I don't even know why he would move here and then be like, yeah, I'll buy Ben Simmons' house. Like, the house isn't riddled with a bunch of bad karma or anything, a bad mm-hmm. juju. Is it, and then I mean, he had to go all Kyrie Irving on it and get, like, bring in, like, a like a shaman or something to exercise all the demons from that house. Which I could have oh. done it for free. I would have just went there with a bunch of gas and set it on fire. And, like, you're set. <laughs> you're good now. Get a, far away from this land. Going off uh, burning some fires here. We got a absolute fire card coming up for UFC. Um, UFC 287. And we have the third fight of Perea Adesanya, second in the UFC. The third fight between them. And then an absolutely really good main card with Burns, Masvidal as the co-main. Uh, any anything that you're looking at, Chase, for those? Um, you got some really good ones with Holland and then even Raul Ro- Roses. Um, I know a big prospect who's only – he's one of the youngest fighters on the roster. I think he's the – is he 18, yeah, 19? I think he's still 18, yeah. Crazy. Obviously, the main event, that's going to be interesting. Yeah. Style Bender's favored still, which I find that also interesting. Yeah, I cannot believe – I don't think he can beat Perez. <laughs> I don't think he can either. I love Stylebender, but I don't think it's happening. Perea is one of the scariest humans in general. He's just a scary dude. And the problem is, is he knows how to beat Stylebender because he's done it and done it viciously. Like he knocked him, he knocked him out cold in kickboxing. And then he knocked him out standing up in the UFC. Two dominant wins for him. I think it's probably going to go the same way the third time, unless some crazy shot happens, but uh, or he tries to wrestle him. I think that's probably the only way. Because obviously standing on the feet, striking against him hasn't worked so far. And you're yeah. probably going to shorten your career if you keep doing that in this fight. Yeah. And then 
Burns is a huge favorite against Masvidal. Uh, I think it was minus yeah. 400 or something like that. Yeah, it says on ESPN, it says minus 475 for Burns. I feel like you guys, I mean, I'm not as huge of a USC fan, but I feel like every time there's a big card, you guys always mention Burns. Is this the same Burns you always mention? The last time we talked, he probably fought Jemayev, um, but that was oh, yeah, so. at the end of last year, maybe. Yeah, I I'm not wait. Let me see if I can see his fights. Yeah, let me. I'll take a. We'll take. I a didn't look mean and, to tear you down the rabbit hole. I just he fought. Like, you know, he fought in January against Neil Magny. Okay. So. Yeah. So yeah, he fought in January, and then he fought. Kamza was April of last year. Um, but yeah, so January. So we did probably touch on him a little bit. Um, what what class is he fighting? Welterweight. Okay. Yeah, I don't. That's a tough fight because. I don't know. It's hard to tell with Masvidal what you're going to get. I mean, he could go out and rock his jaw. And Masvidal's been on the Talking Express recently. (laughs) Yeah, he is. I feel like he might be a little nervous going into this because also, if it goes to the ground, it's game over for Masvidal. I don't think he has a shot against Burns. No, I mean, Burns should wrap him up. If he doesn't, then he he really needs to spend a little time in that class. But, I mean, and down the card too, Kevin Holland, who's often retired and unretired and retiring. (laughs) <laughs> against Ponzinibbio, which is a big fight for him because he's been in and out of injuries. He, you know, was trying to look to establish himself because when he did fight at a frequent level, he was a top contender at welterweight. So, I mean, he's a 30 and six record. That's not, that's not a, I know, know it's crazy. To sniff at. His losses though are just awful. Yeah. He's 30 and six or um, 36 years old too. Um, and he, I mean, he had that, but he's coming off the loss against Perea. So this, he definitely needs to bounce back here to try and, uh, but yeah, like you said, he has some great wins, just also some really bad losses, like Legion yeah. Lang. Lang. Yeah, who yeah. was supposed to fight on this card, but isn't on here anymore. Yeah, yeah. Ponzinibbio's losses are a little befuddling, but, and Kevin Holland too. I mean, he has crazy wins. And then you look at his losses and I was like, what happened? Is this the same guy? So great matchup for the UFC on this card between both of them. Yeah, and Rosas Rosas just it's it'll be interesting to see how he continues. Um, but just at that age in the UFC to fight these guys, he's fighting a young guy, but young twenty five still just so much time to develop and to be eighteen in the UFC is just a I can't over uh, overstate that enough. Just mind boggling. Yeah, Wait, so. What's this guy's name? Raul Rosas Jr. And he's 18. How did he yeah. already get to the UFC? Don't you have to like... Well, he won the Contender of- Series. He was on there. And then uh, he's literally also only fought on pay-per-view so far. His two fight, his first fight was on a... He debuted on a pay-per-view. And now his second fight's about to be on a pay-per-view. And that's pretty rare for the UFC. I feel like people who do that, they're being you know, set up to be headliners. Like, that's what Dana White wants. Wait, yeah, but... You did, just don't stumble onto pay-per-views. Did he... He had to have, like, legitimately started fighting, like, as a kid then, right? Oh, yeah. He's got my birthday. I'm sorry, I saw that. <laughs> oh, no way. That's cool. Just, he's literally nine years younger than me, so... <laughs> it's just... I mean, it shows... I mean, I know he hasn't... His 7-0 record might not... <laughs> all be it's not from the ufc but like he's fought seven times already he's only 18 you only fight what like max like three times a year usually maybe unless you're like healthy and destroy everyone yeah i mean it's pretty rare but i feel like on average it's like two yeah and so he's already i mean his record seven and oh obviously you said this is his ufc debut no it's the second ufc fight second fight already yeah, that's insane. I yeah, feel like they, it, well, I don't know when he fought. I think he fought earlier this year. Did he fight in January? Maybe. Yeah, he fought December tenth um, on the Blahovich Ankalev card, UFC right. two eighty two. But yeah, his he hasn't. I mean, he has an extensive amateur history also. But professionally, he was with the UWC Mexico, and then after in um, twenty twenty two, he fought. Four to- five to- four times there. So 
between the four times and two t- he fought he had six fights between that and UFC in just 2022. Wow. That's active. That's so he's just active. mowing through guys to get to the UFC. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's also crazy too, because they do their events sometimes at casino. So he technically isn't allowed to be there. And the only time I've ever heard that too, was Max Holloway when he was headlining <laughs> against Conor McGregor and he was walking around the casino floor and he got thrown out. Cause he was like 19, I think, or 20. And he gets thrown out of the building he's headlining in in like hours from that point, which is hilarious. That's crazy. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah, this card in general, um, it's got some pretty pretty good names up and down. And even on the prelims, I was surprised to see Gastelum. I don't know yeah. how much he's got left in the tank, but I just I he's, saw him. He's <laughs> fallen. I mean, he yeah. was a hot prospect too. And then, you know, big wins, just kind of, I don't know, he just hit a cliff. Him, Marlon Morice, these guys, some of these guys just hit a wall, like a real wall, and they haven't been able to really recover from that. And Gaslon too, he's had that thing where he's pulled out of a lot of fights. Like he's definitely agreed to a lot and pulled out of a bunch over the last year and a half. Yeah, I mean, it. I didn't realize it was this big of a UFC card this weekend because we also have the Masters, which is the biggest golf event of 2023 and of every year. But I didn't. The Masters always sneaks up on me because it's right after March Madness, so I'm like heavily invested in basketball between March Madness and the NBA and huge golf tournament this weekend too. Yeah, no, it makes you want to golf. <laughs> I really want to golf now. Um, but no, the oh, oh, do you want to golf? Yeah. Like, like you said, we we're gonna join a league, and then we haven't golf. Or <laughs> you want to do this on the podcast? <laughs> All right, no, we won't. We'll... Okay, we won't do it right now. All right, okay. Um, my, last year we had a uh, Scotty Scheffler, um, the defending champ, and I think he's a favorite for this tournament too. Yeah, world um, number one. Yeah. And just looking, I know everyone, Tiger's back in it again. Um, but one guy I'm looking at is Jason Day. Um, he's always kind of been right there, and he's been pretty hot recently. Um, he's been – he enters the tournament this year ranked fifth in scoring, um, and he's finished 10th or better in five of his last six starts. So if we're to make a pick for the Masters, it's going to be Jason Day for me. Nice. Wait, so you – what was the pick? Just for Jason A to win? It's not an actual pick. I said if we were to make a pick. Oh, like if you had to pick someone to win. Your hypothetical. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a uh, risky, risky move to pick an outright winner at the Masters. <laughs> How do you think the live golf guys are going to do? Yeah, that's an interesting storyline. Just, I, I don't know. What What are your thoughts on that? I, because they definitely play less golf overall than the PJ tour does. So I wonder if that plays a role in it, but I mean, the guys you have coming back from live golf are, you know, were top of the top PGA guys, Dustin Johnson, Cameron Smith, you know, the list Sergio Garcia, like the whole, uh, I mean, that's a roster of good players. Yeah. So I, you would think that they would do okay, especially because they've played this a bunch of times in their career and, Especially Dustin Johnson. I feel like a big event. You know, he always tries to be up in the top 10. Yeah, he shows up. I, I could see someone like Mickelson just really choke, like just oh, yeah. really fizzling down there. Because um, people are just hawking him the entire time. And... Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's true. They might get some. The fans yeah. might be a little salty. I didn't yeah. even think about that. Getting that oil money. And isn't Augusta one of the hardest courses, too, in the U.S.? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those courses that's just known for like like putting on like concrete basically i'd love to play at one of those courses just once just to see how i mean i know i would shoot like no cap like 20 on each hole <laughs> yeah. but just just What's this that one in uh, new jersey pine valley is that what that's called yeah it's like a it's like top five in the world like consistently ranked yeah it's like and it's literally just over the bridge in jersey yeah jersey's got some of the best courses in the country yeah. if not even the world home to mike trout's new golf course which oh really be well, yeah he's opening a golf course with tiger woods they announced it like last week i think but oh yeah, breaking like news a, on after further review yeah that's a little old but we're still breaking oh, it we're still i didn't know that yeah i, didn't know that either. I wanted to send it to you guys and I'm kind of, i pissed i didn't now but yeah Dang. he's opening tiger woods is gonna design it and it's gonna be mike wood or 
Mike Woods, Mike Trout's. Uh, it's going to be a private course too, so it's oh. not open to the public, which is buns. But he's opening it in in uh, New Jersey, so catch well, him this October because he won't I, be playing in the Idea playoffs. for those sports cards when they you scratch it off and um, get the person to follow you on like Instagram. Instead, they can do like a scratch it off and you get to play around a round of golf at like and my, that yeah. course. Or That'd something. be sick. Yeah. Or play around a golf with Tiger with Mike Trout. Like, yeah. What's Steph I, Curry? I'm just going to. Or Jeff McNeil. Yeah. That'd be cool, though. I mean, I'm, I'm happy that the, like he's having a golf course. Mm-hmm. Just sucks. I feel like he's been playing it so much. He feels like he has to open a golf course now because the Angels yeah. are so bad. And but yeah, it'll be. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, just, it'll be fun to watch the Masters. I know watching golf's not everyone's cup of tea, but I enjoy, especially the last like two days. It's fun to kind of, it's it's fun to watch. Um, do you guys have any any picks? I mean, I I'm not gonna looked. do outright too. No. I don't. I don't know like the odds for like top ten or top thirty off the top of my head, but I'm kind of looking at Hideki Matsuyama. Oh. Um, won the 2021 Masters and. Yeah. Golf has grown on me and I kind of got into it, you know, right after um, like the COVID when everyone started playing sports again. Obviously, I've always been into playing golf, but I've been more into watching it. And he dominated in 2021. And I don't know, it's, it's a sleeper pick for me. Yeah. I think shout out to to Matt, who I think he picked him outright. Then. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. Our boy yeah. Matt Katroko picked Matsuyama outright in 2021 and brought in the Chichingo with that one so matt i'm I'm riding your guy this time around yeah we're going off speaking of matt we do have two questions this week from our instagram so remember follow us on instagram after underscore further underscore review dot pod ask questions usually tuesday monday or tuesday for the podcast so if you have anything you want to want us to touch on yeah you can always dm and reach out to anything you want us to hit Oh, you said we got some questions. Yeah, we got two questions. Um, so Matt, I did. By the way, we did not discuss any of these questions ahead of time. So at, Matt asked if the Globo Gym Purple Cobras got snubbed by the average do, average Joes in dodgeball. If they got snubbed, yeah, I feel mm, like yeah. That's a good question. I feel like Loki. Yeah. <clears throat> first off, first off, underrated team of that tournament skills that kills. They had moved out there, yeah, they and they were, like, the best Dodgers, I feel like, on the court. Yeah, I bet if you, like, pulled up, like, season rankings, they would have a bunch of wins and then had an early exit in the tournament. Like yeah, you, and also, yeah. Average Joes, their qualifying trip just to get to the tournament was super sus because of the, the Girl Scout team that the one girl took, like, it was like horse tranquilizer or something. Oh, yeah. Little PEDs going on, you know. Juicing. It was like a, it was like a sketchy Cinderella story for average Joe's. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell him I'm gonna say to Matt, Matt Catroco, they got snubbed. Big snub. All right. And the only other question was from my wife, uh, Julia. And she asked when we can expect it when she can expect a segment on quidditch. So I looked up some stuff. It's not called Quidditch anymore. It's called Quad Ball. And oh. basically <laughs> and basically after um, J.K. Rowling's statements about trans people and they wanted to avoid confrontation with Warner Brothers, they changed their name to the Quad Ball Association. So it is not okay. Quidditch anymore for the actual sport that's played. So it's the same sport, just different name. Yes. Yeah. So don't go I- around dead naming that sport. I feel like, a, like, how popular can a sport be to be able to change the name of the sport? Like, do you think, like, like how far would that go? Like, would the NFL ever change their name? I don't know. I guess they can at this well, point. Well, I guess you could change, like, NFL, but, like, no one would stop calling it football. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. know. That's there, crazy. There is a major league quad ball, though, in the United States. Um and there it is. Oh, it's there everywhere. is a lot. It is everywhere. Um, Does so Philly have a team? They do have a team. Um, I remember being in college. Uh, the ship Red Raiders. They had a team. It was just a club team. But yeah, I mean, it looks like they're local teams. They probably compete against local teams. But it mm-hmm. is a yeah. 
it's probably like more of a club type sport, but it's that's about all I got on that. And it has nothing to do with Cronum. For all your Cronum fans out there, Quabble is not the same as Cronum. <laughs> Just want to put that out there. Yeah. Is Cronum in the market to change their name or are they gonna roll? I think Cronum is toast. <laughs> Cronum's like first off, Cronum's a great name. At some point we will touch on Cronum. I mean, yeah, it kind of got derailed by their founder of the sport. So it's kind of hard to come back from that. And then COVID officially derailed it. But yeah, we'll have to touch on Cronum at some I point. I mean, if but pickleball's big, Cronum could be big. Yo, pickleball is huge now. Pickleball it's a, is it's annoyingly big. I'm not gonna lie. At the Y, like every day, there are the gyms are filled with pickleball. I mean, people are, you know, really excited about pickleball. Also, real quick, because I know we're starting to come to the end of the show, and before we go down a giant rabbit hole, like we always do. Oh yeah. Um, I did want to touch on Chase R Sixers because Embiid had an MVP statement game last night in their clutch win against the Celtics. Yeah, not only did he have like 52 points, he was also incredibly efficient while doing it. So for all these stat nerds who are all about like efficiency and stuff like that, Embiid has played so well most of the time, he hasn't even had to play fourth quarters in most of his games and still had like 35, 40 points through three quarters of basketball. 20 for 25 from the field, 12 for 13 from the line, 13 boards, two blocks. Literally and can't miss. Stack guy, stack guy's got the odds right now. Embiid's listed as minus a thousand. And I'm thinking unless Jokic is anything ridiculous these next two to three games, Embiid yeah. should finally bring home what's deserved. Which I know, Chase, I know you're right. It's not what matters most. But last yeah. night's game was ridiculous. And the Celtics always beat up on us. And Embiid literally put the team on my back. He had over half the team's points. He had clutch shots all throughout the game. He destroyed whatever that bull, that cornet bull on the, oh, yeah. the Celtics. He just yeah, he had a couple massive dunks. Yeah, just crammed mm-hmm. one in his mouth. Like, oh, yeah. And that was the other point. They did it against the Celtics. I know the Celtics didn't have Jalen Brown. What's yeah, whatever. So what? It's not like he did it against the Hornets or the Magic. Like, yeah, Embiid should be doing that. But it was against the Celtics. So, you know, and their last few games, he's really put up numbers, consistently been there. And it's not about him either. Like, I feel like the MVP shouldn't just be like the, like, I don't know. I hate to trash on Jokic, but like, he literally is like the Nuggets. And, like, I can't help it that that's the way it is. But, like, I feel like a lot of his stats come from that. And, like, you could say, th- say the same thing about Harden and his time in Houston. Like, he dominated the score sheet and, like, the ball all the time. So, like, yeah, his numbers are a little bit inflated. But I feel like the MVP should be the person that you could put on any team with any roster. And, like, they can still come out with a win no matter what. And, like, I don't know. Jokic, yeah. Jokic can do it. Like, I don't, I'm not saying he can't, but. Yeah, Njokic is a good player, but I think you have to have you have to be a special, special player to win an MVP three years in a row. And as an unbiased fan of basketball, Embiid's last three or four years, he he should have an MVP in there. Yeah, like he's ridiculous. Like I don't know. Like it's just a shame that they both exist at the same time because I feel like they both take away from each other's resumes and like they're just both really talented big men in a time where there's not a lot of talented big men that can yeah. run the point, that can do a bunch of stuff. And B can hit three at any point in time. And from mid-range, it's basically a dead eye. Like it's gonna take a lot for him to miss from inside. Yeah, yeah. he cooks people. He's literally cooks people like a point guard. He's a center. Like he has moves on people that like and you can't you can't guard against that size either. Like he's a freak unicorn. Yeah, and it's crazy in this day and age, like you said, with centers kind of somewhat being a dying breed, the top three in the MVP are, I mean, Giannis isn't a center necessarily, but you have Jokic, Embiid, and Giannis um, in an era where threes are so prevalent and so harped upon. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I think it went, the last four MVPs have been two Giannis, two Jokic, and mm-hmm. so it's only right for Embiid to get this one. Stack, I can confirm me. I'm pretty confident. Yeah, like, yeah. and he's just so ridiculously efficient too. Like that's the craziest part too, 
is that he's not taking like 50 shots every game. He literally takes less than 30 most of the time and makes 95% of all the shots that he's taking, which is crazy. Like, how do you shoot that? And our stack, I confirmed. Yeah, the last two were Jokic. And before that, I went to Giannis's and then straight guard nation for a little bit. But no, Embiid's efficiency, we've talked about that since he got in the league. His first year playing after sitting out two years, he was on like a 25-minute restriction per night, and he would be scoring 25 points. I remember the biggest thing is like first year and a half, two years. It was like he was averaging like a point a minute. Like he's oh, yeah. just out there, and he's just super efficient all the time. And his free throw percentage has gotten ridiculously good. He shoots 85% from the line this year. Like yeah. over seven-footer, just he's pissed when he misses one. He went 12 right. for 13 last night. I bet you he's pissed. Yeah. Most people can't do that on a, like, you know, that's a tough thing to do. Consistently hit as many free throws. He's always at the line, always taking hard fouls. Like, it's, I, I don't know. It's just crazy that he's, you know, this might be it for MVPs. Like, he can maybe get this one and that's it. And, okay, that's fine. But, you know, I feel like it just kind of does take away a little bit from his resume overall. Like, you can say all-stars and this and that and all-NBA, whatever, but... I don't know if he wins a yeah. championship, that's the only way to really validate like everything it takes, yeah. you know, that counteracts. However, you know, Jokic can have two MVPs, but MB, it has a ring. So, you know, well, and that was the, that too. and that was the biggest thing for AI. Cause obviously they only made that one finals and they had to go against Kobe and Shaq, which was nuts, but he did have an MVP. I believe oh, it was yeah. that year as well, 2001. Yeah, that year they swept the awards, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Because they had defensive player, coach of the year, six-man, MVP, and something yeah. else too. But that's such a huge validation. Like, anytime AI gets brought up, like, obviously he's a Sixers legend, but that MVP in a time of, like, there was a ton of talent in the late 90s, early 2000s as well. And so that was just huge validation on that Sixers team, the Sixers run. And yeah, I mean, MB just to have one, like you said, other than that championships is what we're going for. But yeah, I mean, it, it's just crazy that literally the center position's dead in the NBA and he's the most do like the dominant player in that yeah. position because he can handle the ball like a guard. He moves pretty effortlessly for being a seven footer can dominate every other center of the NBA. Like you can throw whoever up against him physically. He's going to outnumber you. He'll just bang you up and then he'll school you out, fade, fade away shots, get you into foul trouble. Like he's an old school player in a new school game. And I don't know. It's just exciting to see that. Like there's not that many seven footers. Like we were talking about it at the beginning of this podcast, how many centers in college basketball flame out because they don't have the skills to translate and Embiid didn't even start playing basketball until high school. Couldn't really play a lot in the NBA because of his feet, you know, injuries and stuff like that. And he's the dominant. Yeah, his footwork's also super nasty. Mm -hmm. Just whenever he gets into like, like I would say mid-low post, you know, he hits like the Hakeem shimmy shake. He can do step throughs, finish with both hands. Oh yeah, active on like the tip ins, like pull a euro oh, out. Yeah, all oh, his footwork is it's sexy. It's that's yeah, the word I'm for gonna... a big guy. Like I don't know how many people move. Like I don't know how many guards move like that. I mean, there's some guards with some choppy footwork out there. They might as well be running around with wood planks on their feet. But I just wanted to really talk about Embiid. But besides Embiid, I was gonna ask you to if you wanted to um, do a little bit of NBA postseason bracket challenge with uh, something something minor on the line uh, okay so the so the NBA season officially ends Sunday <laughs> April 9th and then obviously with the new format the seven through 10 seed they have playing games and those go from April 11th to the 14th and then you know your normal best of seven series start from now until early june when the finals are what i was going to propose so including the playing games maybe setting up a small bracket challenge between us three and having the winner or whoever comes in last has to buy whoever comes in first a six pack of their choice so something small but something okay. worth, worth playing for you know you can you can go mix of six you can go surprise you can go natty bow 
You can go, I don't even know, Jenny Ice, whatever you're feeling, whatever's possible. Mm. I don't even know if you can get Genesee in six packs, but I like it. I'm in. I'm in. I like it. All right. Yeah. And so next week we'll be able to really dive into that too, our brackets. So we'll have to make them on Monday night, I believe, because Tuesday the playing game starts. So, okay. Yeah. So be on the lookout for those. And we have the NFL draft coming up in uh, like 20 days or so at this point. Yeah. So be on the lookout for a little mock draft from. Yeah. uh, We'll we'll put a mock draft out after further review here. A Chizzy Chase mock draft, if you will. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll drop that 31 pick mock draft. And what's wild about this show was it was, I feel like this was one of our best shows yet. And this was the first time ever we didn't have after further review trivia. So all of our listens, listeners out there, um, let us know. Like, should we, should we make sure we have trivia every time? We kind of just came to the show today with a lot to talk about. So we, we didn't have to have any fillers, any trivia to talk about. But, I mean, we love the trivia and we'll have it majority of the weeks but yeah let us know if that's like a must for after further review and we can make sure to have some in there yeah overall great show today shout out to all the listeners listening wherever you are follow us on social media give us a follow on spotify apple podcast wherever you listen and yeah overall great show chizzy chase rye red morris and benj Out. After further review, episode nine. Peace.